Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. This is episode 1004, my interview with Peter Russell, and we're discussing his new book, Letting Go of No Thing. Enjoy. Hello, Peter. Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here today. Lovely to be here with you. Whereabouts are you based there, Peter? You're over in the UK. No, I'm actually in California. I'm British, but I'm actually living in California. Ah, at the moment, so I'm in the right. USA. Yeah. How are you going over there? Doing well? Yes, yes. It's actually... Nice weather at the moment. What's too dry. In, too, too dry. dry. Yeah. Yes. Getting colder? Um, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Oh. No. So how long have you been in California for? Um, off and on for um, about 30 years. I just started coming more and more doing sort of tours and stuff, and I just gradually came here more and more. So yeah. I never upped and moved here, but now I've been here, you know, Three quarters of the year now for about 20 years. Wow, okay. So it is now home. Yes, I think England is where my home, where my heart is, but this is my functional, practical home for now. Yeah, nice, okay. Well, mate, um, great to have you here. You've got, you've got a new book out, Letting Go of Nothing, and the, the title got me, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and I, I suppose, I mean, from looking at your website and digging into the book a bit, it, it's, it's very much a spiritual feel that I'm getting from you. Um, yes. But you've got you've got an interesting background too. You've um, you've got degrees in theoretical physics and psychology and computer science, and you even worked alongside with Stephen Hawking. Is that right? Stephen Hawking, yes. Well, not so much alongside him, but he was my supervisor for a while. Supervisor, was he? Okay. Yeah, it's like he was my tutor. The system at Cambridge is undergraduates are supervised by a graduate student. Right. He was then he was then just a graduate student. So, oh, yeah. so it was in his early days. Yeah. That's a that's a feather in the cap then for you. Yes, it was. It was fascinating. Just that he could he could still speak. He was getting a bit impaired, but he could still speak. He could still walk with you know some leaning on the wall a bit here and there but basically you know it's only just beginning to come on his illness gotcha yeah okay so am i right to say that you're very much into the spiritual field and and uh, guiding and speaking on those topics yes yes um i find the word spiritual sometimes you know i don't use it off. too much because but people think oh it's religious it's that i i'm really interested in you know consciousness and how we can in a way, wake up our own consciousness and become become more aware of ourselves and and live better lives through that. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, and I, I get what you're saying around this this spiritual term, you know, spirituality or whatever. You know, people um, I guess have alarm bells because there is a lot of stuff out there that's a bit fluffy and and uh, not very practical, I suppose. Yes, and there's a bit you know, there's a lot of sort of um, beliefs, woo woo beliefs that go along with it. I'm I try to just, you know, pare things right down without any particular beliefs necessary. Just coming back to practicalities, really. That's why I sort of stay clear of the word spiritual. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I um, the more I write or I journal and, and the more, I, every time I journal, it always seems to come back to this this foundational level of um, awareness and, and awakening oneself, uh, you know, for everything in my life that's right or wrong. I feel it can be pretty much attributed back to that that inner being, and if you're not awake and aware, then that's going to be very difficult to live a happy kind of existence. 
Yes, because we get so caught up in, you know, what we might call our ego mind. It sort of dictates to us what we should do and think, and we get controlled by it. And mm. we're not really not really free in that sense. We think we are, but it, you know, deep down we're being controlled by often other people's expectations or values or what we think is going to make us happy. So we're not really free. And so in a way, you know, that's, I, we're talking about liberating ourselves, which is it's, it's a better term for, I think, you know, self-liberation, free, freedom from the self-imposed handicaps, mental handicaps that keep us stuck and stop mm. us really enjoying life to the full. Yeah. So this book, uh, Letting Go of Nothing, why did you write that and what's what's the ultimate goal here? Um, I've been interested in letting go all my life, really, not all my life, but when I started, really in my 20s, I started meditating, yeah. and I realized that an essential part of meditation was actually letting go, letting the mind relax, or well, the sort of meditation I was interested in. I mean, there are techniques where you imply a lot of concentration and focus, but I was interested in how can we allow the mind to relax Mm. And there, any effort just gets in the way. And so that was my first introduction to to letting go. And then it sort of just steadily grew in my life, this interest, and something I've been exploring in different ways over time. And I've been wanting to write this book for a while. And then last year, I decided now was the time to actually gather it all together and put the eyes together and put it out there, which mm. I which I did. And just to explain the title, because I mean, you said at the beginning, you know, it has grabbed your attention. That was part of the purpose of it. But it's really, you know, what does it mean? Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a play on words. It's talking about letting go of no thing. Because what we think what we're letting go of, you know, I'm letting go of whatever it is, this person or this object possession or this belief or whatever it is. But what we're really letting go of deep down is our attachment to it, our attachment to our belief or what we think should happen or a person or whatever. And our attachment isn't a thing in itself. It's nothing you can, you know, you can't experience your attachment. It's no. a way in which we experience the world. So our attachment is like a lens through which we see things. So we're letting go of our attachments and our attachments aren't things. So that's where the title comes from. There are no things, our attachments. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So that's where the title comes from. Letting go of so not nothing but no things. So right. letting go. So this 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 whole idea of attachment. I know philosophers talk about it. I'm I'm right into um, Stoicism right now. I'm reading a lot about that, and they talk about it heavily. You know about this mm -hmm. idea of um, you know you can't lose anything that you don't have. Right. And and in that sense, there's not much that we actually have or possess. Right, right. Even uh, our body. Exactly, exactly. But we get attached to it when we we think not only as much as we have it, but we think we think having it or owning it or controlling it is going to make us happy. Mm. Because ultimately, ultimately, I think what we're looking for in everything we do in life, when you boil it right down, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Whatever it is, deep down. We think we're going to feel better for it. We're going to be happier, more at peace, more content, whatever. So we're actually looking for some sort of inner well-being. That's our, that's our real bottom line is how we feel. And so we get attached to things when we think, oh, you know, this this is going to make me happy in some way or other. That's, that's the root of our attachment. This is going to help me survive better in the world. This is going mm. to make me feel better. This is going to get me through life. So we get or attached. That. 
right. So that yeah. evolutionary, you know, process of, of having our needs being met is, yes. is what causes us to be attached. We get, yeah, we get attached to what we think will satisfy our needs. Yeah. And so, and sometimes, you know, they don't, but we, they satisfied our needs in the past. We, we get attached to, oh, this, this is how I solve this problem. Oh, this is how I get this need satisfied. And so, you know, we, we fall back into something almost like it, it can become a mental habit in a way. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess the, the, the art is the practice of, of letting that go letting, and, and trying to not control that right that attachment but that's got to be very difficult if if we think that it's fundamentally within us to to attach to things that we think are are, are providing solutions for our problems or or providing our needs being met right and it can seem difficult i mean you know often you just tell people you know just let go and they say well i've tried letting go i just can't do it Hmm. and part of that is we think of letting go as something we do but it's really the opposite. I mean, the way I approach it, we're already doing too much. We're, we're holding on. So it's about allowing the holding on to relax. Hmm. The anal- analogy I use, very simple one. It's like, supposing you're holding a small rock up in the air, a small stone, you're holding it up in the air. To let go of it, you let the muscles relax. Well, also, you, first of all, you may notice the tension of holding on. You notice the grip, and then you relax the grip. And you let go. Yeah. And I think it's the same with our attachments is rather than trying to get rid of them or bury them or pretend they weren't there or change them. I suggest to people doing the opposite. You know, first of all, if you're attached to something, whatever it might be, let in how it feels. It, usually, if you look deep inside, there's usually some tension, tightness, something around it because it's mm. like there's some wanting things to be a certain way. So notice that. That's the first thing is to just notice how it feels to, to be attached to something. That's the first step. And then and then allowing in what's actually what's actually happening in your body with, with this, whatever it is. Say it's, you know, an attachment to losing some. Um, well, I had one recently. I had to let go of a whole load of books I had in storage. And, you know, and I sort of chewed into that. I could just feel this sort of like gritting in my body like I didn't want to do this and then I looked deeper into it I really let in what was happening and I realized I just had this idea that sometime maybe these were in England when I moved back to England I could have these books and they'd be useful maybe Mm. then I realized I don't even know what's there (laughs) and if I want to read a book I can you know buy another one but like by looking inside myself and feeling what it felt like and then looking at what was going on in my thinking, the whole thing just began to dissolve. So rather than trying to beat the attachment, what I suggest to people is we we actually get into it, get into what it feels like, get into what's going on, what story we're telling ourselves. And so I, I reframe letting go as letting in, letting in the experience of holding on, whatever it is, and letting it be, not trying to change it. And when we do that and let things be, usually the attachment just begins to soften of its own accord because we're not resisting it. We're allowing it in. And so that, to me, is the sort of the fundamental steps to begin to allow the letting go to happen. It's like, you know, with the rock, when you notice the holding on, then you can begin to release the grip. And what we're noticing here is we're noticing the grip the mind has on something and, and how it feels for the mind to be gripping onto some idea or some need. And then when we feel that grip, 
then we can begin to allow the mind to relax and just begin to, the process of letting go. And then it just begins to happen on its own in a way. Yeah, so it's being more present with that feeling. Yes, yes. Rather than being, I guess, is it reactionary? Like, you know, I've got this feeling that I need to keep my books. I'm just keeping them. You can't tell me otherwise. Um, right. Yes, and I was paying, I've been paying for years to keep them in storage in England. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. But, you know, I, I didn't question it. You know, I was going to keep these books. And, keep, and then, then it came up because actually the storage place was moving and I had to consider what to do with them. And the only one I looked at it and really looked at it, I realized, hang on, what have I been doing all this time? And it wasn't serving me anymore. So in the end, I just, it was easy to let them go in the end, but it took a while just to tune in to actually, what's actually going on here? Did you feel there was a sense of control with that attachment? Because they say, you know, attachment is... Um we're allowing ourselves to be controlled by what we're attached to, you know, th- things that we own tend to own us. But with your example of books and letting go there, I mean, yeah. did you have that feeling? I think they, I think any attachment controls us in some way or another because it makes us think this is what I must have or this is what I must do. Mm. And that in itself is controlling. And so in a subtle way, yes, with the books, it was, it was controlling me because it kept me, it kept me paying for the storage, first of all. It was controlling me in that way. And just, but also controlling my my attitude, my mind that like, I need to keep these, I need to keep these, even though I'd totally forgotten most of the things that were there. Hmm. 14, 14 boxes of them. Yeah, well, I've, I've got a big bookshelf right behind me. And my wife asked me the other day, do you want to get rid of these? And I was just like, no. <laughs> so it's an interesting, it's an interesting that you my, bring that up. My, might need them someday but also they look good i mean they're, they're furniture as well books but but that's the thing like it doesn't you know yes we've got to pack it and move it and store it and you know that might cost money whatever but it doesn't hurt us necessarily by having them but this this the the hurt may come from letting it or if suddenly they're all gone i guess yeah yeah you know but without it, yeah. choice we have a choice. I'm not saying, you know, we need to let go of everything at all. But when no. when we feel we want to let go of something, then this is a process that we can use that makes it much easier and allows letting go to happen. Yeah. Well, I wonder if the attachment for me and my books, I mean, it's obviously a sense of identity. Maybe it attaches itself to the ego self um, yeah. because, you know, having a bookshelf shows intelligence or something like that. Mm-hmm. There might be underlying things there that I'm not even conscious of, but... Um, I guess the the practice of letting go of one thing certainly would lead to a practice of letting go to another thing or vice versa. The attachment to one thing maybe makes us more attached to other things. Yes. I, I think in my experience, just it's a, it's a gradual thing over time, but the more I practice letting go and practice this thing of really tuning in to you know, what's going on in the body and allowing that to guide me in some way, the more I do that, then the more that reinforces it. And so I gradually learn that, ah, you know, letting go can be good. It's not not such a um, painful thing to do. It can actually feel good, the letting go. Hmm. So, yes, I think that there's a self-reinforcing thing there both ways. If you're, you know, attached, we can, you know, we can stay attached to more and more things thinking. As you say, it's the ego mind. The ego mind gets attached because it's the ego mind that is working out how to help us survive and be happy and when you let go it's not the ego mind so much you're you're doing something behind the backs of the ego mind and discovering actually 
it feels okay. And um, the ego mind was just actually getting in the way there. A lot of uh, a lot of freedom from all that. Yes, yes. Letting go of nothing. The ego mind. Explain that to us. What is the ego mind? Right. The ego mind is is a way of it's a way of thinking. I don't think we have a, sort of a separate entity called ego. People talk about my ego or you know I this I have an ego whatever it is. When I look inside myself, I don't find a separate bit of me called ego. I don't find a separate self or some entity in me called ego. What I find is I find egocentric thoughts and ideas and needs which come up from time to time. And so I see what we call ego is actually a way of thinking. It's a mode Mm. of thought. And I call that mode of thought ego mind. So ego, ego mind is a way of thinking but which is basically thinking what's going to what's going to keep me safe what's going to keep me secure what's going to bring contentment what's going to keep me out of danger and it's its job really is to look after my physical organism to make sure i survive that's its that's its basic motivation of the ego mind ultimately is safety and survival but it gets triggered in a lot of situations where there's no threat to our safety or survival, you know, because someone insults us or something, and the ego mind comes raging in. You know, how dare they? I've I got to. How dare they do this? I need to put this person right or get my own back or something. So mm. it comes in when it's when it's not necessary at all. But it's a way. It's a way of thinking. And if you see ego mind as a mode of thinking that we get caught in, then letting go of ego is not about getting rid of something or conquering it or whatever. It's really about learning how to step out of that mode of thinking when you notice it's happening. So when you notice some egocentric thought going on about you must have this or that or about some other person, well, you actually have the choice not to follow that thought anymore. We can actually choose, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to go there anymore. And in that way, we're stepping out of the ego mind So rather than it being something to be beaten or conquered, I see it as something we can make the choice to step out of. It'll come back again. It'll keep on coming back. But the more we can practice just stepping out of it, the easier that becomes. Hmm. How do we practice getting out? Is it just that mindfulness again? Just being aware? Um, Being aware, but... Also, this thing of choosing when you're being mindful of what's happening, being mindful of the thought thinking, but then choosing not to follow the thought anymore. So it's more than just being mindful of what's going on. It's actually making that choice. Okay, I'm not going to follow this thought anymore. And and when we do, what we usually notice is we we come back to the present. The ego mind is always taking us out of the present because in one way or another, it's thinking about the past or the future. Hmm. And when we pause it, we just say, hang on, no, I'm not going to go there. Just take that pause. What I tend to notice is, ah, suddenly I'm noticing the present. I'm noticing, oh, there's the bird song out there or the sound of the air conditioner or whatever it is or this feeling in my body. So... When we, when we do that, we just become more present. And, we, and there's a sense of ease and, and relaxation that comes with it when we let go of that. Right. So you think a lot of our, our choices that are made by the ego are, are choices to help us escape the past or, or run to the future? 
Yes, in a way. Not necessarily escape to the past. Sometimes it can be sort of reliving the past. Oh, wasn't that a wonderful time I had, you know, sometime last year? What a wonderful time reliving it. So it could both be escaping, you know, the bad things or going over. Reliving here. Okay. Yeah. So it's a lot of stuff. Or the future, it can be ex- excited expectations about the future, or it can be worries and fears about the future, or even just sort of daydreaming about the future. But it takes us, the thing is, it takes us out of the present into yeah. In, yeah, in the world of past and future. So the ego mind won't exist in the present. Actually, no. Not if you're if you're really present, because the ego mind is a way of thinking. Hmm. If you're really present and you're not really and you you know you pause the thinking, you're still aware. You still may be noticing. You know, you're noticing. Ah, you know, if there's a bird song, you know, you might be thinking, what what is that bird or something? You know, that all that functioning is still going on, but that sort of what if, if only I must prepare for this, plan for this. When that isn't there, then yes, then the, the ego mind has gone. So in the present moment, when you're really just experiencing the present moment, the ego mind isn't there. But when it comes in, what it does is take you out of the present moment. Hmm. So I guess being in that present mo- uh, moment, we're really much more connected with what's truly essential for life we are we as are as to what's not perhaps yes we are and i think in that present moment we're more connected with ourself uh, because that ego mind has become quiet for the moment so we're more connected with ourself and our own what i call our own inner knowing or inner wisdom so that can begin to shine through because it, it gets veiled by all that thinking it, it covers up our what I call our true nature, and mm. so when we're in the present moment, we can be we can be just more in touch with our more authentic self, and we can begin to live, act from there, make better choices, make make better choices, be more creative, and feel better. I mean, ultimately, this is you know I said earlier what we what we want ultimately is to you know feel better, feel more content, and the more in touch we are, I think, with our authentic self the better it feels because the ego mind always has some element of discontent to it. There's something, it's discontent about something, even if it's getting, you know, excited about something that may happen. It's like there's there's an element of discontent, but it may not happen. What if sort of thing. So Mm. the present moment, there's there's really, the, the discontent isn't there. And so when you take away the discontent, then we can be more in touch with what I just called our natural mind, which just, the natural state of contentment before it gets overshadowed by worry, concern, all that stuff. Yeah. Is there a natural state of discontentment, do you think? I I don't think so. Um, It depends what we mean by natural. Yes, in in one sense, it's completely natural to be discontent at times. Um, I'll just take a simple example. If If I'm out in the cold, cold weather, and I haven't got the right clothing on, I'm going to feel discontent. I'm going to feel, might even be hurting a bit, but I'm going to feel discontent. And it's a natural motivation then to do something, you know, go back and put on some warmer clothes or just stay inside, whatever it is. And so we do something to ease the discontent. So the discontent is a natural motivation to go and do something to actually help us feel better, look after our our well-being, really. So yes, there's a natural role for discontent, but it's purpose is actually to have us do something get something whatever it is in the world 
so that we can actually return to a natural state of contentment. If you like, our untarnished state of mind is one of contentment. Yeah, I guess a lot of the discontent we have, or even contentment that we think, or what we think creates contentment is probably this, this attachment to externals. Yes. But then I'm wondering if, yeah. if we're really present in the moment right now and I'm, I've got a good environment so it's not cold, not hot, I'm fed, I'm not hungry, yeah. you know, my, my natural needs are being met. Is that, a, yeah. is, that a, is that the pure state of contentment? That's a na- I call that just a natural, natural? state. Uh. Yes. That's the natural state. We just feel, ah, it's all everything feels okay. It's like a, it's a feeling of being okay, basically. It's like, ah, yes, it's okay. But then what happens is the thinking mind comes in and starts imagining situations that might happen in the future, probably never will happen, but you start going through planning for this, planning for that, or worrying about something, and the discontent comes in again. Yeah. So it's so easy, you know, we, we can be in that natural state of contentment, but as soon as, you know, the ego mind comes in, we are drawn out of it into discontent again. Hmm. So what practical advice do we have for our audience here? I mean, is it is it meditation that we should be focusing on? Where do we start? Um, I would say where we start is not diving into meditation straight off like that. I think where I suggest people start is what I was mentioning earlier in a way about pausing. And what I suggest to people is just in between tasks, like in between, you know, you finished answering your emails, you're going to make a phone call or make a cup of tea or something. Just pause your thinking for a moment. Just just stop. Just stop. Stand still. It's what I like to do. Just stop, stand still or sit still. And just notice your thinking, what's going on. And just choose to pause it, not follow it anymore. And then, as I said, you begin to just notice the present moment and begin to notice that sense of, oh, this feels easier, whatever it is. And then, second part, is to actually positively enjoy it. If you notice it feels more relaxed, more more at ease, whatever it is, or lighter, is just to savour that, to savour how it feels, because that then reinforces it. Yeah. And just for just for a short while, and you got then you're back in the world again, and the mind starts going, and you're off again. But to do this, whenever it occurs to you through the day, and what I like to do is, I leave little notes around the house, just saying pause. I mean, at the moment mm. there's at the moment there's one on my staircase, and there's one on the back door, and it just reminds me, ah, uh-uh, pause, and mm. just, and do that. But. I say at the moment because after two or three days, I habituate to where the notes are and I don't see them anymore. So I move it. I put one on the, on the kitchen table, right. or, yeah, or good, you know, one in the one in the bathroom. I, to, I move them around so I don't get too used to them. But that, you see, that practice, I think, as you do that, then I suggest once people sort of start doing that, then start pausing for longer. You know, maybe just pause and just sit sit for five minutes and just mm. notice that. Notice the mind comes in again. And just pause it and come back and notice how it feels. So gradually, as as you do this for more longer times, you're actually creating your own sort of meditation space. Yeah. So it's not about diving into meditation, but but just by starting in these little steps, we're just right. beginning to move into a sort of attitude of taking time to just meditate and be present. Be present, yeah, and that's that's a really interesting way to, to do it because often you know it's it's let's start a meditation practice whether that's five minutes, two minutes, or whatever it is. But 
yeah, different different uh, approach uh, in this way, just to have that moment of pause in between one task and the next. And I'm look, I'm a very, and I don't say this um, pig-headedly or anything like that, but I'm a very busy person. I had trouble sitting still. Um, and, and I look around and I do it myself. And so going task to task, you know, if I'm finishing this interview, need to go to the toilet. Between here and the toilet, I get my iPhone and check messages. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just no chance of a pause. And I, I think society's like this too. We've created this society oh, where we haven't yeah. given ourselves this time to, to really pause and stop and think. And I admire people that can just sit there and, you know, stare out and and just think without being agitated. I get agitated. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's really interesting. Right, and there's so many distractions now. I mean, much I noticed much more distractions than there were 10, 20 years ago. There's more and more of that. So, mm. yes, it, it's about a little bit of self-discipline here. I mean, so it, you know, take the example of going to the bathroom. It's like on the way, just pause, or maybe <laughs> you haven't got time to pause. But when you, when you come out, just say, okay, now let me just pause just for a few seconds. That's all it all it really takes to start it yeah just for five ten seconds notice that and and sometimes you feel oh this is nice i just want to be here a little longer yeah and i think you talk about that bringing in the experience um to that that pause as well like if if i do pause and i feel agitated well what is that feeling why is that agitation right. there you know right if you feel agitated or you notice some tension there can be sometimes you notice the body slightly tense or agitated or the sort of uptightness in your being or the mind is, you know, focused in some way. In that pause, you can begin to notice it. And then you can just, mm. again, you're letting it in. You're letting in that sense of tension. You're allowing it in. And then you can just let it, by letting it be, you can just allow it to soften and relax a bit. And I find that a really valuable thing just in the day. How often when I pause, I don't realize there's some background tension that's built up. And so just in that, like, oh, okay. Oh. But isn't that interesting? Like, yeah, that, that background tension we just don't even appreciate because we're thinking if we do it, that tension will go away. But the tension is actually often the cause um, right. or that thing is the often the cause. Like you mentioned it earlier, and I, I don't know how to best explain it, but like holding that stone in your hand, mm-hmm. we're not letting go, but we're not even thinking about the benefits, what will come of letting go. We're thinking about the, the sacrifice we'll make of letting go. Right, and we we think there's some value in holding the stone, yeah. and you know there may be occasions where there are there is, but in terms of you know the example of letting go, if we just become aware of the grip and how it feels and the tension we're putting into it, then it's like ah, oh, we can just release it. Yeah. But yeah, and again, if there is value of holding the stone, at least then when we look at it and go, okay, well I'm holding the stone and it's actually it's tight and there is tension in my hands and I have to yeah. focus but hold it. Um, yeah. Well, you know, if there still is benefit in all that, then yeah, I guess we can oh, keep yeah. holding. But at least we're more aware yeah. about what's yes. going on. I mean, there's lots of things we probably come attached to which have, you know, value for us. I mean, how we see how we see the world, how we interpret it, our sort of fundamental um, assumptions about life and things. I mean, they're really important. So we we want to have those. I'm not talking about, as I said before, we're not talking about letting go of everything. No. But where we where we find something is actually a handicap, where it's getting in the way. Then it's then it's learning how to how to allow that attachment to just begin to soften and go away, let, letting it go, letting the attachment go when yeah. we need to, when we need to or want to. Yeah. Do you think we just don't 
you know, we just go through it and, and we probably don't, I guess we don't spend time thinking about the things that are causing us angst or, or stress or whatever it might be causing us anger. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really pause to think of those things and go, okay, well, how can I let go of this to, so it stops, you right. know, so that anxiety is right. not there or... Uh, like for now, one thing that's causing me anxiety is everything going on with COVID, and it's really, it really is actually causing me anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I looked at it last night, and I was just like, "Well, what's what's going on here? What's changed? Like I've never was like yeah. this, you know. Well, I guess I'm always anxious, anxious sort of person. Maybe we all are, but um, I just started reading this news feed on my phone, which I never did before until mm. a few couple of months ago, and, and more uh, recently, more regularly. Um, so it was just a matter of being aware of that. Okay, well, do I need to read that? Is it really essential that I read that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm trying now to say, well, no, I don't need to hang on to that. Right. I don't need to be attached to it. And yeah, and sure enough, that reduces the anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And then you then you begin to see, what does this need to know all about? You know, we begin to look deeper. When we, begin to, when we notice something like that, you know, we can begin to feel into it, see what's going on. Why, why am I getting attached to this? What's going on? And so we, when we do that, we begin to understand ourselves. And I think the more we can understand ourselves, the easier it becomes to let go of something. Because we, we can begin to see it for what it is, rather than just be, as we said earlier, controlled by it. Yeah. Yeah, you can be controlled by your news feed and the you know, your belief, I must keep up with things and find out what's happening and keep abreast of things. Or we can, you know, begin to let go of that and see it's not actually serving me. There may well be, you know, part of it is serving you. There may well be a need to, you know, keep an awareness of what's happening in the world. But then when it becomes almost an addiction and we have to do it, then begin to see, see what is the cost of that? What is the cost of doing this? And when we get, when we begin to see the cost for us and, you know, whether it's, it's tension or wasting time or whatever it is, then that again becomes part of a motivation to let go. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's probably, you know, something that's, again, that next level is not only um, have I got this this uh, ability to be aware enough that I'm getting a bit anxious from this particular activity mm-hmm. and, and therefore I can switch off, but then looking at, uh, well, why was I actually delving into that in yes. the first place and what was this need that I felt I had to meet Right, um, and understanding that might might release some more things, you know, in, yes, in, yeah. in the world. So, yeah, really, really interesting point. I wonder you mentioned addiction there, and and I wonder is there a link between attachment and addiction? Do you think because you might be addicted to smoking, um, but am I addicted to my books or the attachment of my books? I think there's a close parallel here. Um, mm. I think we get. We get addicted to things generally, whether it's books or whatever it is, you know, news feeds or, you know, whatever it is, playing a certain sport. We we get addicted to things and it's quite parallel because, you know, behind the addiction is if I have this, this basic thing, if I get this, do this, I will feel better for it, you know, which happens with a chemical addiction. Mm -hmm. We We do it because... You know, we feel better. That's you know, whatever the addiction is, in one way or another, you feel you feel better for it in some way. Um, and then, you know, when then that wears off. Supposing you know you have a you know you buy a piece of clothing. You know, you want you have an addiction to you know looking smart or something. So you go and buy a new jacket, and it's great. You know, you get that fix. It feels good. You you like it. 
and it hangs up in your cupboard for a while. It begins to wear off, and that's no longer providing you with that great joy. And so we go off looking for another fix. We find something else to buy, something else to do. And so we're, we're moving from sort of getting one thing to getting another thing. And this is, I think, behind so much of our consumer culture. There's just an addiction to having the right things. And, mm. and because it doesn't last, like, you know, a chemical addiction doesn't last. It may serve you for half an hour or a day or two or whatever it is, but then it wears off and you go out searching for another fix. I think that's what we do in our culture. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The um, what what else do you um, suggest we we do to help create this this higher level of awareness um, for the art of letting go? I mean, I, I love that pausing uh, activity yeah. and practice. I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, this other thing of just you know what we've been touching on is just becoming aware of yourself, understanding understanding yourself is really important. Yeah. Uh, Noticing what we touched upon, touched upon most of it, is noticing noticing tension. I think that's really important. Just noticing when you're tense, and that's a sign. You know, just looking into it, look, right, mm. looking what's what's behind that. What's begin to let the tension soften, and then you begin to see, oh, I was wound up about this. Or if you're talking about, you know, your thing of keeping busy, it can just be a tension from that continual thing. I've got to do this, got to do that. It's not about the things you're doing. It's that tension that if I get my whole to-do list done, eventually I will feel relieved or whatever. Yeah. So, so, so no, noticing, the intent, the, noticing that is also important. And, and in that, you know, coming back to just noticing how we – noticing this feeling of being in the present, noticing, noticing how that feels is really – excuse me – Oh, I can sneeze. Nope. I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was, but no. Well, after um, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that's important as well. Um, do you um, do you meditate like daily? Do you have a mindfulness practice or? Yes, um, I have. My practice is actually similar to what I was describing. It's not mindfulness as such. It's it's just sitting and not when thoughts come up, just not following them. Coming back, you know, first of all, coming back to this thing I've been talking about, you know, noticing how it feels, resting in that, and then beginning to notice any sense of quietness or stillness that's there, and mm. and gradually, gradually sinking into that. So it's not, it's not really a technique. It's more of an attitude of allowing the mind to quieten, and then noticing what happens. I think what often could happen with meditation, I find this, you know, with people who practice mindfulness, it, which is wonderful, and they become very mindful, and the mind becomes quieter. But they're so busy being mindful, they don't actually notice how good it feels. You know, when the mind quietens down, it feels good. And so I always encourage people in their practice to add in this other bit about Noticing how it feels because that that's the reinforcement and that gives the motivation to mm. continue it. And that's what we're really looking for. You know, a settled state of mind is not just about the mind not being so active. It's about the fact it feels good. And that's what we're looking for. So I really em emphasize that, that just enjoying it, enjoying how it feels. So my practice is, to be honest, it's sort of, it's, fle it's, it, it's flexible. I mean, many days I'll sit down, yes, and have a good, you know, probably, you know, 20, 30 minutes meditation. Um, not at the same time every day. I would have lots of these, what I call mini meditations during the day. So it, it's, 
it's there as part part of my life. I'm, I used to have, you know, I was rigorous about when I sat down, I'd sit down in the morning for 20 minutes in the evening for 20 minutes and did that. And then gradually, I think I've just got um, more relaxed about the discipline because it, it isn't something, I think I've learned how to meditate so well now that I can just choose to drop into it when I want to. Mm. But that that's come from, that has come from years of, you know, practicing it. Yeah, and I, th- I think, um, like anything, starting off, it's it's good to have those disciplines. But once you're attuned to it, and it's a bit more regular part of your life, yeah. then you, you adapt it into it. You know, um, absolutely. Yeah. And and whatever yes. you do, I think that's the case. Like when I first started out in real, real estate, which is my career, my profession, you know, there were certain things that I did to help me with my practice. Um, which now I don't do because I'm actually disciplined anyway and it automatically sort of right. happens. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty good point. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you're saying with anything, I was just thinking, you know, learning to ski, you know, you learn to ski or playing any other sport, but just take skiing, you know, you learn, okay, you know, the edge, use the edge, do this, shift your weight this way, whatever it is, and you do that and you practice it and there comes a time when it's happening completely automatically. Yeah, yeah. The um and that that old idea of feeling, you know, the benefits of being present, the feeling of that is is remarkable. And I guess I I haven't really thought about it in that way. Where you, when you're being in the present, in that pause that you do during the day or during mindfulness meditation, um, to connect with that feeling is is definitely important. I felt it when I started meditating, and I'm trying to bring a bit more back into my life at the moment. Um, I certainly felt after a couple of years this. This more sense of freedom, um, just from yeah. from that. And whilst I'm still a very busy person, um, I'm definitely much more mindful and aware. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's certainly helped with um, with with that sense of feeling. Um, you know, that sense of freedom, which is that feeling that right. is is somewhat profound. Yes, it's different things for different people. I mean, I've been talking about is ease, contentment, but it's also freedom. Some people just feel a sort of a lightness or an openness. It, it's, it, it manifests in different ways. Well, they're all this sort of similar, like, you know, you talk about ease and, and yeah, yeah that, that level of contentment. Right. To me, that's that's the ultimate freedom, isn't it? Like, yeah, yes, yes, because you're you're not looking to do something. You're not controlled by, I've got to do this in order to feel content. You're already feeling content, so you're yeah. freed. You're freed from a lot of those needs and wants at that moment. You're free from because that attachment. You're like free it. from that attachment of how to, how to get things. And just, I mean, in, in terms of the the mindfulness, you know, what we're doing in just to add to this, we're, we're be, you know, we're being present, and how you feel is part of the present. If you're feeling at ease, that's part of the present. So what I encourage people to do is just like. The present, expand the present beyond just, you know, how it feels, the breath or your body or your feelings. Include in the present moment how it feels to be present. Hmm. So it's, it's, not going, it's not doing anything else, but just opening, expanding your awareness to include something which we often don't even notice that's there. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I'm going to uh, stick this link to your book in the show notes, Letting Go of okay. Nothing. Um, how can people? Is you got a website there, peterrussell.com. That's the best place yes. for people to reach you. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I've got um, I've got about four hundred pages up there. Things I've written over the years, books, lots of videos, meditation exercises, audios, lots of stuff. Yeah, that's There's my little... that's my central resource. 
Yes. Yeah, it's pretty full on. Okay, well, look, check it out, guys. Um, PeterRussell.com. I'll stick the links in the show notes here for this episode. Peter, any final thoughts before we go? Um, nothing comes up. I think it's been it's been lovely. Yeah. No, thanks well, for coming one, on. One little thought. Just um, yeah. something came up. I don't know where it came from, but just like kindness, I think is an important part of this in terms of the world. It's like we all we all want to be content in one way or another, and it's just like. Bearing that in mind when we communicate or interact with other people that you know they also want to feel content and things and just to yeah. not get into attacking other people, but just like the principle of kindness. It, it's the golden rule of all the religions, like treat others as you would like to be treated. I think if we all did that a lot more, I think the world would be in a much better state. What a refreshing way to leave. Like, I mean, how important is that right now with this this divide between people? Yes. Yes. You know, yeah. we're all searching for the same things. So. We're all searching for the same thing. We just have different attachments as to how to get it. Exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. I love it. Very nice. Mate, thanks so much for coming on, Russell. Um, Peter, sorry. I really yeah. you got two first names, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on. And, guys, um, yeah, check it out at thehiddenwhy.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon